So uh, I'm on page 1208 uh, of that uh, turquoise Bible um, that's in front of you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And while you're finding it, let me just remind you the letter to the Hebrews was written uh, to Jewish Christians to encourage them to persevere in the faith and to Jewish people who perhaps were confused or needed to know about the Lord Jesus. And by the time we get to chapter 10, the writer has concluded, uh, as he says in verse 9, that Jesus had said to his father, Here I am, I have come to do your will. And the writer says, By that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then in verse 19, today's reading, he begins, Therefore, so because of Christ's sacrifice that makes us uh, holy once and for all. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we, for, we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? Sorry, I misread that and I need to read it again because what I said is wrong. <laughs> um, let me take you back to verse 20, how, uh, 29. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous, my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. 
thanks be to God for his word. Amen. that passage open uh, in front of you and uh, over to Mark who's going to bring us um, the sermon from, from that passage. Thanks. Squeeze through. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, and thanks for reading that, Gaius. Welcome this morning as we open up God's Word together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask as we unpack this passage from Hebrews this morning that you would speak to us, whether it's a word of challenge or whether it's a word of encouragement, but that you would touch our hearts as we look at this word together, we pray in your name. Amen. So Dave and I didn't coordinate this morning, but as in often the case in God's plans, things do sort of fit together. So the first question Dave asked this morning is, you'll be here for lots of different reasons. Some of you, some of us will be here because we always come, that's what we do on Sunday mornings. Some will be here as a visitor or a guest, some will be here uh, out of tradition, some will be here because they like the singing, some will be here because they uh, like to hear God's word preached for 20 minutes or so, some will be here because their conscience says, oh, I ought to come. Um, some will be here because they've got friends here, some will be here to be encouraged this morning. And that's very much our focus this morning from this passage in Hebrews and in the I'm reading it in the um, ESV version which is slightly different from the NIV but quite similar let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near well we all need encouragement I don't know about you, but I can quite easily be discouraged more than I perhaps can be encouraged. We need to be encouraged. Uh, and I don't know if there's any historians in here, but you all have heard of the Duke of Wellington, the great British military leader who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. And he was not an easy man to serve under. He was brilliant. He was demanding and not one to shower his subordinates with compliments. Yet even Wellington realized that his methods left something to be desired. And in his old age, a young lady came up to him and said, would you do anything differently if you lived your life again? Wellington thought for a moment, and then he replied, I'd give more praise and encouragement. We all love to be encouraged. As many of you know, Jacob's a very keen cricket player, and we love to go and encourage him when he, when he plays cricket. Parents at their football matches can sometimes get a bit too enthusiastic in their encouragement of their children. But we love to encourage those who we're supporting, whether it be in a sporting environment, whether it be in a family environment, or something else. But we love to encourage. And today we're going to look at this idea of encouraging each other. And we look at it in four ways, considering how, stirring up, meeting together, and encouraging each other. And it's very much an us thing. It's not a me thing and a Mark thing or a bio thing or a Dan thing or a Claire thing. It's an us thing. It's a together thing as we look at it together this morning. It is actually very hard to encourage yourself. It's very hard for me, you know, I perhaps had a good meeting at work to clap myself in the back and say, well done, Mark, you chaired that meeting really well today. Or, you know, Sam's run a really good music lesson. Well done, Sam. That was a really good music lesson. It's very hard to encourage yourself. 
So we need each other to be involved in this. It's an us thing. And it's a very biblical thing as well. Encouraging each other comes through and through the Bible. And we're going to look at some verses later, which unpack some of those together. It's a very deliberate thing. And the passage here we're looking at here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25 starts with the word consider. And that's our first point. Consider together. It's a deliberate action, that something that we're doing here. It's not something we're just doing on an ad hoc basis. We're considering what needs to be done. In the Greek, it's almost impossible to bring that word into the English language. It's something like, consider one another toward the stimulating of love and good works, which is terrible English. But actually, the best we can say is, consider how to stimulate or spur on or stir up one another to love and good deeds. It's helpful to get that real meaning of the original so we can feel the force of this as we daily aim to consider how we can encourage one another here in a church context, in a family context, and in a work context. It's God's call to us to consider how we work together and share together and live together and do faith together. That is how we look at one another, how we focus on one another, how we study one another, how we ponder one another. I love that word ponder, that sort of deep thought about somebody. Let our minds being occupied by one another. Is your heart, your mind focused on other people rather than just yourself today? Do we do that? Do we look outside? Do we consider? Do we take action to consider? Perhaps not everyone here or everyone in our orbit, but somebody outside of our immediate person, ourselves. The goal, the purpose, the reason of this focus on others is to think of ways of stimulating them to love and good deeds. That's what God's word is saying here. Consider how we can stir one another up to love and good, good deeds. I remember reading a book a few years ago which was talking about joining a church or coming into church. And one of the first chapters it said, consider in the morning when you're coming to church where you're going to sit. Now that's a really detailed thing, isn't it? You're going to sit here at the front, you're going to sit at the back, you're going to sit in the side. But considering not perhaps for your own benefit, or I want to be able to get quickly to the loo, or I want to be able to get to the coffee quickly afterwards, or I want to hear, or I want to see, but actually consider how can I perhaps be engaging with other people who are in church today in a better way? Someone's new, how can I perhaps have an opportunity to sort of catch their eye or, or speak to them? Well, when you get up in the morning, consider, think about, ponder, deliberate, meditate on, mull over other people with this conscious goal. What can I do today so that they will be stirred up to love and good deeds? That's what our passage is calling us to do. How can we stir them up to love and good deeds? Now, that is a real focus, a real reason to live, to get up in the morning and think, it's not about me, but actually it's about those who I'm going to be engaging with today. A, fo a focus that turns from me and my problems to others. We met uh, a great uh, Christian saint a few years ago who's passed away recently, a chap called George Vera, who started Operation Mobilization. Some of you will have heard of it, the big ships that sailed around the, sailed around the world. We met him a few, a few years ago at Word Live, actually. And he said he's never had a boring day in his life, rarely a boring hour, 
although he has met many boring people. <laughs> Why? Because he was considering all the time how to stir others up to love and good works. His focus was on others. How can I stir them up? Every day is new and different. People change. Environments change. The places that we're working in changes. Their circumstances change. We change. But the call remains the same. Consider, consider, consider these people who you'll be around today. Whether it be here in church this morning. Whether it be at home this afternoon. Whether it be in work this coming week. Those next to you. Those who are left at home. What are they like? What am I like? What will that situation be for? That's the reason for living, or a reason for living that is focused enough to be practical and big enough to last a lifetime. Consider. So what are we considering? That's the first thing we're considering. Well, secondly, we're considering stirring up or spurring on. As many of you will know, we were blessed this week with a, another grandchild arrived, which are Josh and Becky, which is lovely. And we had, uh, they'd be married... Seven years now, thanks Claire. <laughs> I can never remember. You lose track on family stuff. They've been married seven years now. And we had Josh's stag do at ours probably seven and a half years ago, I guess. And um, at his stag do, he had a selection of meats from around the world. He had a bit of zebra, a bit of, I'm not sure giraffe, but he had lots of different sorts of, sorts of funny animals. Loads of meat on this huge barbecue. And we said to them, well, you really ought to have some salad to have with it. You can't just eat meat. This is like... 25, 20-year-old lads. So why do we want salad? That was we meat. Um, anyway, so we have some salad. And then, and then I said, well, salad on its own is a bit dull. You ought to have some dressing with it because just a plate of lettuce, which is probably what they'd have had, is like, you know, not really going to give you much. So they would have some dressing with it. They said, oh, yeah. so we were away. And he said, oh, how do I make dressing, Dad? So I said, well, it's oil, water, vinegar, herbs, mustard. So he said, great. So... We went away, we did our thing. I came back and said, how was the meal? The meat was fantastic, Dad, fantastic. I said, how was the salad? Well, the salad was okay, but the dressing was absolutely disgusting. I, I said, why, why, why was it disgusting? Did you, did you use oil and water and vinegar and mustard and herbs? Yes, Dad, we did. I said, did you stir it up? Oh... Oh, we didn't know we had to stir it up. It was just like he drinking this oil sat on vinegar and it was disgusting. He hadn't stirred it, hadn't shaken it up. He hadn't moved it all together into something. He hadn't created something out of these parts. And that's what we're being called to do here. We're called to stir it up, to shake it up, to create this powerful thing. We're stirring each other up. We're taking the parts of our lives, which on their own are all a bit bitty and perhaps a bit dull and perhaps a bit awkward and sinful, but actually stirring it up, we become something very powerful. Whether we're a small church like this or a huge church, whether we're a family or whether in other contexts. And that's what we're called to do here, to stir each other up, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Here's a real focus for our life. It's what... Our aim can be from the morning, from when we wake up, to when we go to bed as a Christian. We're not considering how to love each other, which is fine and good and biblical and right, but we're considering how to stir up each other to do those things, those love and good deeds. Those words that are so powerful and so challenging for us this morning. And that requires energy, requires action. I don't know if any of you are into 
woodwork or carpentry, if you've got a two-part epoxy glue, you can have two parts, two sorts of bits of glue on their own. They're just sticky, messy, useless. Pour, mix them up, stir it up. Suddenly, you've got something that will, that will stick a car to the side of a building. Really strong, because you're stirring it up. You're creating something out of something that on, it, on its own is not very much at all. And that's what we're doing as brothers and sisters and friends and colleagues and uh, visitors here this morning. We're stirring each other up. So we go out of here stronger, more encouraged to do love and good works than perhaps it would have been when we came in this morning. We're aiming at stirring up others to do good work and deeds. When Kez and Jake were younger, of course, never, they would never do this now, but when they were younger, they used to stir each other up in a bad way. They'd provoke each other. And anyone who's had children or sees children around knows that children can provoke each other. They can stir each other up in a bad way. But here we're doing the opposite. We're stirring each other up for good things. We're stirring each other up for strength and for power. And particularly here in our passage from Hebrews chapter 10, for love and good works and not neglecting to meet together. It's one of those things I love to call holy habits. Meeting together like this is really important. As we said at the beginning of the meeting today, why are you here today? Tradition, socially, parents told you to come. Well, our word here says, not neglecting to meet together. To worship up, is that sort of vertical relationship? To encourage each other horizontally and to receive a blessing from God as we come together. It's a specific command here in the Bible. And that's something where I think COVID hasn't helped because it's become quite tempting for people to say, well, I could just do it all online now because it's fantastic. And that was really great through COVID that you could. We remember we were dialing in and watching, we never even met Dave, and we're watching him running children's stuff online on YouTube and listening to guys preach and others. And it was tremendous that we could do that. But it's not quite the same as meeting together like this, actually physically being in a room together, seeing together, looking at someone in the eyes, not being virtual. It's just easy to neglect meeting together. And you all know people, we know people who used to perhaps be here or used to be in Christian circles who can, it's just so easy just to drift away. And other things fill it, whether it be sport or family stuff or car boot sales or whatever. Things can just take the space of church so, so quickly in our lives. And the Lord knows that in the Bible. That's just why he says, don't neglect meeting together. That's how we can encourage each other. That's how we can have a real particular blessing from the Lord. We go away in the summer often for two or three weeks and our garden... I leave it immaculate, it's beautiful. Grass is cut, the, the, the beds are weeded-ish. <laughs> Claire's, Claire's calling me out a bit there, but the, the beds are looking pretty good. The flowers are pruned. You come back, you, the garden looks lovely. Two or three weeks later, it's a mess, it's a jungle. Because it's been neglected. Because we've been away, we've been traveling, and there were the rain's come and the sun's come and the weeds have come up and the grass has grown and animals have dug holes and it's, it's a bit of a mess very quickly. A few weeks of, oh, I can't be bothered to come together to meet today or next Sunday or I'm a bit tired or I've had a heavy week. Actually, very quickly, our spiritual lives can get neglected. So let me encourage us this morning 
to keep that focus on. Or when you're traveling on a way, try and get to a church. Try and support another fellowship. It's hugely encouraging to have visitors to come in and um, share in, in fellowship together. There was a survey in a Christian magazine recently that asked readers, readers to rank areas of greatest spiritual challenge to them. First was materialism, pride, self-centeredness, laziness, anger, sexual lust, envy, gluttony, lying. And the survey respondents noted the temptations were more potent when either, one, they were physically tired, or two, they had neglected time with God and with God's people. It's a great way of hedging ourselves around, protecting us from the devil who will attack. Some of us were at Word Alive this summer, and we had a speaker there called Gary Williams, who was an outstanding speaker. And one of the real messages that struck home to me is the fact that we are a family. We are a family as much as here today, Claire and myself and Jake are a family. We are a church family. And that message came through really hard and strong to me. It's far more important, this family, than a big mega conference gathering or a big church gathering. This is a, ch- this is a family. And we can encourage each other. We can support each other. We, th- we can examine each other. We all know somebody who used to come on a Sunday and we don't see them anymore. And sometimes you'll get nothing out of the service. Sometimes you may think, well, why was I there today? I was tired. didn't really speak to me. I didn't like the hymn choice. The mic was too loud. They used the wrong version for the Bible or whatever. And sometimes it will be not ticking all those boxes. But that doesn't mean it's not the right place to be. Sometimes the Lord will speak to you in the storm. Sometimes he'll speak to you in the quiet time. Some preachers you will love. Some liturgy you will love. Some hymns you will love. But still come. Because we're told to in the Bible here. Meeting together is so, so important as we encourage each other. (laughs) Was that a deliberate sound effect? (laughs) Thanks, Dan. So we're considering each other. We're stirring each other up. We're meeting together, and finally we're encouraging each other. Somebody once said, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. We love to be encouraged. The four powerful words that you can say to any child is, I believe in you. Well, God believes in us, and that whole idea of encouragement comes through and through the Bible. So I've asked nine people to read out a verse of encouragement. And when you say the word encourage or encouragement, please say it with gusto this morning. I don't know who's doing what. I'll just read the verse out. And if you just like to, re- you don't have to stand up. You can do it from where you are. So Acts chapter 13 and verse 15. Someone could read that one out, please. Thank you, Jacob. And then Acts chapter 15, verse 31. Thank you. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And then Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. Thank you. And then Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from 
Thanks, Dave. And then Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 28. Thank you, Tracy. And Ephesians chapter 6, 22. Thank you. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Thank you. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Thanks, Chrissy. That's great. So there, I mean, I, I could have picked dozens of more verses, but the Bible is packed full of Encourage, encourage, encourage. Be encouraged, encourage each other. So let me encourage each other this morning to be encouragers. There's nothing more encouraging than to be encouraged. <laughs> Not just for the sake of it, but for love and good works as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all doing something that encourages each other today. What kind of encouragement stimulates others to do that love and good deeds? And it will be different for different people. Some people need a clap on the back. Some people need a quiet word. Some people need a prayer. Some people need a text or a WhatsApp. Some people need whatever. But look to see how we can encourage each other this morning. Embrace our hope. Cherish our hope because God is faithful. He keeps his promises without this kind of hope, sustaining us day by day through all the disheartening frustrations and crushing disappointments of life. We would not have the strength or energy or joy to stir anybody up to love and good deeds. So through Christ, we have this ability. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it through Christ. And if we bank on God, not ourselves, we always have something encouraging and hope-giving to say. So in summary then, let's make our life, the aim of our life, to consider others, to study them, to know them, to figure them out, to the end that we can encourage them to love and good deeds. And be sure that we do this by getting together with other believers for the specific purpose of encouraging each other. I'm just going to close by reading a passage from uh, a guy called Paul Tripp, who does a, a daily devotional. And um, a, few, a few weeks ago, he was talking about corporate worship. I'm just going to read a, a, a couple of paragraphs that just encouraged me when I read it, and I hope it's an encouragement to you. One of the reasons God has called us to gather together regularly is that we are so forgetful. We forget who God is and endeavor to live based on our own merit and strength. We forget who we are and the evidence that we lay down every day of our desperate need for redeeming grace. We forget how broken is the world in which we live. So we live with unrealistic expectations and naivety toward temptation. We forget how magnificent our resources are in Christ, how complete his provision is, and how precious it is that he is always near. We forget how wise, encouraging, protective, and freeing God's will is, and God's word is. We forget our need for the body of Christ, that our spiritual life is meant to be a group project, church. We forget that we have not only been blessed to be recipients of God's grace, but have been called to be tools of that grace in the lives of others as we stir each other up. We forget there really is an enemy who prowls around to devour us spiritually. We forget that life can never be found in the physical creation. We forget that we've been created to live for a glory that is bigger than our own and for a kingdom that is greater than what we would construct on our own. Yes, we need to gather again and again and through worship, preaching and mutual fellowship to remember that, we, that what we would otherwise forget. 
My prayer is that we'd be encouraged this morning and we'd be an encouragement to each other. Amen.